Hello and welcome to episode number 185 of the Chris Knott Podcast. Today's show, um, we're going to be talking about excise selection, um, carrying on from a post that I wrote um, last week, talking about the the link between um, effective effectiveness and exercises and the the demand for proprioception. So we'll be uh, we'll be discussing that. We will be discussing um, we'll be discussing uh, biceps and shoulder training. So a little bit on shoulder health uh, and delving a little bit deeper into shoulder mechanics and why it's so important um, for um, for training the arms. And then finally, just discussing a little bit about uh, should you be uh, barbell training. So should you be using a barbell um, for your training? And that's a very very popular one um, amongst a lot of people who are getting into the gym. So, without further ado, um, so starting off with the exercise, uh, the exercise selection post, and the concept behind that, what I wanted to discuss, or what I wanted to explain to people, is that um, understanding the, the concept of proprioception and how well someone moves is a, is a very, very important factor uh, when it comes to exercise design. And this is something that, um, you know, it, it's difficult because we have these ideals of how we want people to move, uh, but the reality is they may not move like that um, when you first start training with them. So to give you a little bit of context is that you could say, right, well, I would like the individual to perform a RDL or, you know, like a hinge mat, uh, pattern, but then there's an obvious difference from one side to the other, is in one side is weak and unbalanced, the other side is um, is a lot stronger. So you get them to do the single leg RDLs um, and the single leg RDLs is a way of building up strength on, on one side um, and then therefore we've got a better chance of doing the hinge motion itself. But the problem is with this is that there's a high demand on what's called proprioception which is which is just basically how well someone can balance. And um, what you find with people in training with a lot of, uh, you know, training a lot of different people is that um, some people don't actually necessarily have had to have gone to the gym or have gone to, you know, gone to the gym for a very long period of time to adapt to um, exercises. It's just that they have increased body awareness. And this could come from playing sport as a kid. It could have come from a dancing background. It could come from just anything that's put them in the finer tune with the body. So they know how to handle themselves through space. But if we think about it like this, the ability to handle yourself through space so proprioception and balance is a prerequisite for everything because if your body can't recognize where a joint is does it really have any uh, right to be loading it in a, in a heavy manner because essentially your body is just trying to complete a movement rather than actually controlling a joint in the, in the manner that we want it to do so this is where there's a there's a very it's very important to understand how this cross re- cross references to your per, uh, personal training business because the the fact of the matter is that a lot of people or pretty much everyone uh, who's going to a personal trainer who doesn't have a specific injury will want to see some changes to their body tone and or uh, muscle so um, they'll want to see that they they have changed their shape because you know that's essentially why you invest in a trainer but when we increase things like proprioception the ability to load that will be reduced so you know it's a very very simple principle or concept which is um you know as as we um as we make things um we increase the demand for stability or external stability because uh, sorry internal stability because the external is so low um, then this person is going to not be able to use as much load if we can't use as much load by default the muscle tissue isn't going to get exposed to that uh, 
um, external stimulus, which in other words means they don't get as much muscle and, and stre- uh, as uh, great muscle and strength development. So the, the importance behind this is, is that if movement, uh, if you notice that somebody uh, doesn't move very well and they come to you for, um, for um, to improve, like so let's say, the, the size of the glutes or the, the, the muscle tone in, in the lower body, you have to understand that you you may be doing neither of one nor the other. So what I mean by that is, is if you do the proprioceptive exercises with the goal of loading them too heavy, you're not going to get what you uh, want from that, which is the person being able to um, move themselves through space. But also, because of the fact there'll be a limitation on how much you can load something like a single leg RDL, you'll never actually be able to get the person to uh, um, load that movement significantly to see changes in the in the glutes or the, the body and this is really really important because it's a mistake that i used to make where it would be i want to get people moving better i want them to be out of pain i want them to be able to do xyz and focus on balance but they just weren't seeing the changes that they came to me for um, so they weren't changing seeing the changes in the physique and this is where understanding periodization and frequency and putting the onus on the persons doing the due diligence outside the session is important because if you look at it like this if you have it on a timeline where the first two weeks with a client you're going to be teaching them the movements and really reiterating the points that you want them to uh, have so basically you could say to them look if you can't connect your foot to your glute and your hips can't stabilize the foot at the same time whilst going through this hinging pattern it's going to be um, you may be able to load your glutes through machines but this is what's leading to either ankle pain knee pain or lower back pain so it's very very important that we set this foundation where you know how to stabilize and co-contract the feet and the hips at the same time but if you're doing this during your session and you're spending 10-15 minutes taking someone through this then this is actually eating to the time when you can be training them hard so if this is the case what's happening is is that the person's just not going to get that volume of stimulus so this is where you need to explain once you've taught them the movement that this needs to become part of their daily routine and pattern so they have to do their homework and work on their proprioceptive drills and work on their balance and stability so that it becomes more default and it's something they can easily do during your session because you need to explain that the longer that you have to do foundational stages of proprioception and balance the uh, longer it's going to take them to actually be in a situation where they can properly load the hips and spine safely so this is what's very very important about educating your clients but also making sure that they're doing stuff outside the gym now i will personally am of the opinion right now is that when getting people to do when you're getting people to move outside of the sessions that they're doing with you it should be proprioceptive work move and work and myofascial work so basically all the stuff that gives the body the best chance of moving freely to lift the heavy weights that they'll be doing with you this may initially be what they do during the foundational stages of your program but if you're getting them to do cardio and you're being very and you're making sure that their nutrition is sound they should see results and changes in body composition anyway but remember that the mistake I made was trying to be a therapist when I was a personal trainer and now that I'm a therapist predominantly I realize what I should be doing as a personal trainer which is getting people to train as hard as they can that being said 99% of people need foundational work regardless of how sound they think they are structurally in order to get the most out of their training not to train because you know if, if, if everyone needed this foundational phase no one would be going to the gym 
but I mean to get the most out of it. So get the most accurate stimulus. Because what I see most most of the time is people who omit the foundations because they not don't think they're necessarily, and then they come to me with hip, back, knee pain because when they do hinges and squats, they don't know how to stabilize through the full entire range in integrating with the feet and the breathing. So just to reiterate that again, is that it's so important that you're getting your clients to do either mobility, uh, myofascial, which just basically means big global movements, and proprioception and stability work outside the sessions, which you teach them, and that becomes a prerequisite. And if they turn around and say they haven't done it, then it's fine, but you have to explain to them, well, this will just slow down your progress. And again, what I want to get people away from, I want to get personal trainers to stop thinking about paying um, their payments per session and what they provide for people on a monthly basis so what is your total value for that person per month not just what they're going for the hour because if you're charging x amount per hour but this person's getting programs from you they're getting daily check-ins from you they're getting nutrition from you they're getting daily motivation and and, uh, and accountability from you then that is diluting the amount that you charge per hour therefore you should charge more so it's all about value and value comes from where from looking at what is the best for the individual you have to always ask yourself what does this individual need what is best for them how do i give it to them and then you give it them and that's the best way for uh, to increase value so just to remember and reiterate the point is that if you want people to move better frequency of the stimulus is key if they're not willing to do that with you in in your session uh, outside the sessions you need to educate them on the importance of why if they don't do this the likelihood of them encountering a problem when doing the big compound lifts such as hinges and squats is going to increase therefore this is going to dampen the amount of load that they can use safely meaning they won't get the hypertrophy and um, strength gains they would have got if they put the effort in so it's important to communicate that to the client okay so moving on to the biomechanical one if you can survive 10 seconds of dead air i'm just gonna have a quick sip of coffee this is where you'd insert an advert if i was sponsored by anyone I used to sponsor myself with Kickback Coffee, but they never actually heard that I was giving them a shout out. But Kickback Coffee is excellent, so I would get, uh, recommend checking them out. So, moving on. Okay, bicep training. And um, so, we're talking bicep training and uh, external rotation, internal rotation of the shoulder. So, I was going through a mentorship uh, client case study and he was just basically saying to me, you know, I've heard that you, well, I know that you need to train the short, middle and lengthened range of a muscle in order to elicit hypertrophy. How do you know which one to do? And that was just to me uh, an insanely good question, which we had a lot of fun with. When I do my um, consults with people, I've got an interactive whiteboard, which I can draw on um, some very, very crudely drawn pictures. But it was very, very, um, it was just a really, really fun one to go through because uh, when we're talking about biceps, obviously everybody wants to grow the biceps. And um, I just was trying to explain the uh, the implications of when we're going through um, flexion, extension of the shoulder and, and why we need both internal and external rotation. So... When when I'm looking at the arm or when the legs are the same, you know, the arms and legs are pretty much the same thing, the, the, the muscles on one side are going to be acting as internal and external rotators, but also the muscles on the same side are acting as internal and external rotators. So... Basically, the triceps are part of the... Well, biceps and triceps are shoulder-stabilizing muscles. 
um, but especially because the long head inserts onto the um, the superglenoid tubercle, so that's basically onto the humerus. Um, so that is going to be go, uh, impacting the GH capsule, and then the short head is on the coracoid process, so that's going to be impacting scapular movement. Likewise, the long head and sh- uh, long head and lateral uh, heads and medial heads of the tricep pretty much do the same thing, but the on the opposing side. So in other words, you've got a bicep and a tricep that attach to the shoulder, and the biceps and tricep that sha- attach to the humerus. So when these are contracted and when these are moving, um, this is going to impact our shoulder function. If shoulder function is impaired, so is our ability to properly target the biceps. Now, when we are bringing our arm forward, so we are shortening the bicep, so think of it like arm out in front of you, and if you have seen the post, this is where we're looking to shorten the movement through there, is that if we put that into a very, very high stimulus, so basically we load that quite um quite heavily so this is stuff like preacher curls it's stuff like where your elbow is out in front of the body um, and we're shortening the bicep and shortening again what we're doing in that position is that if we if we are internally rotating flexing um, flexing the shoulder and internally rotating and you would say slightly adducting but i'm just focusing on flexing flexion and external rotation Think of it as load increase is the ampli- uh, amplification of the brain to the muscle. So basically the brain signaling to the muscle. If we then put tissue there, we have then got the bicep to get very, very good at flexing and internally rotating in, or in that position. So the, the brain and the muscles are good at that position. Now, flexion and internal rotation of the shoulder are essentially what spins the elbow outwards. Because if you think about it, if you were to raise your arm out in front of you now and internally rotate your uh, arm at the same time, your elbow would go outwards, pointing to the outside line of your body. So that was to be flexion and internal rotation. Now, that is going to uh, naturally want to bring your scapula into a more of a protracted pres- position. So in other words, where we're going to elevate, we're going to upwardly rotate and push it forward over the body. So we're going to reinforce protraction of the inter- of, of the scapula, which is a byproduct is going to shorten um, things like the pec minor, cracobrachialis and so forth. So muscles of the intrinsic shoulder, which attach to the scapula. So what happens then is these become shortened and they get that that, uh, that shorter range stimulus is everything's going to adapt in order to uh, to maintain the situation, which means it becomes very challenging to train the muscles on the other side short, especially if this um, is reinforced with a postural position, such as being at a desk job, such as uh, being rounded shoulders and restrictions in thoracic. So this is where we look at the big picture. If somebody is training their biceps in a shortened motion or a shortened range, they have restrictions in the thoracic because they work at a desk job and they don't know how to breathe and open up the diaphragm so therefore we're reducing tension in thoracic because the diaphragm strength and thoracic tension are both um, directly linked so weaker diaphragm increased tension in thoracic so if, if this is all the case then we're reinforcing a position now, as this occurs, we're going to get lengthening of muscles at the back, so triceps and infraspinatus are more than likely going to lengthen. This is going to in- inhibit their ability to contract. If they can't contract right, we're going to lose stabilization and so forth. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't do this. I'm not saying you should not train it in the shortened position because there's every reason that to, and it may be important for your uh, physique development as a, uh, as a trainer or as a, as a physique athlete. However, you need insurance in that position. So it's really simple is that if we don't want to 
reinforce internal rotation we just need to make sure we have sufficient amount of the opposite side which is external rotation now external rotation isn't one of those ones where you you know you put your arm up at 90 degrees and you put it up at 90 degrees at the end then you do um like that uh, like the y position or t position and externally rotate just because that's a very end range external rotation motion what we want with external rotation is to strengthen it in the functional positions which is the positions that um, the positions where we're going to mimic where the arm needs to be when we're doing the exercises so in other words train or look to improve in external rotation in the position in which you're about to train external um, the the bicep and what this is basically doing is it's applying traction to reposition the scapula and give it some and uh, give it ability to stabilize and hold a position whereby being by being in a certain um, uh, being in a certain uh, place it's then able um, you are then able to target both the um, short head and the long head of the bicep evenly because if we think of it if the if the if the if the scapula internally rotates or like uh, rotates forward and protracts we're going to be mainly targeting the short head of the bicep um, because that's the one that's going to be that that's the one that's attached to the coracoid process because we've so we've shortened it if we're able to have that ability to externally rotate and hold the position then what we'll what we'll be able to do is be able to equally uh, distribute the load with, uh, between both heads and if we if we're able to do this the shoulder will adapt if we strengthen than the long head with equal uh, equal amounts of force then we'll be able to actually strengthen that position so in other words train the biceps and also improve external rotation so all these things are really really important to understand because what i don't want people to be doing is getting shoulder injuries and then having to spend tons of time doing you know what are arduous um, shoulder exercises and um, stuff that um, it impacts their ability to train hard because you know they may say i may be not able to press because have got shoulder irritation but if you can understand what a um, what you lack so an issue that you lack with your shoulder and you can act on it before it can become problematic this then enables you to both train hard but also avoid any any potential issues in the future so it's really important to do your homework and understand what joint positions do you need when you're about to do a heavy exercise and what uh, if you lack them what should you do and how can you um, change the setup of the exercise is so that you don't uh, it doesn't impact you in the future so we're going to have another little um 10 second dead air for coffee break so again um this is again insert advert here please so apologies for that um coffee's getting a little bit colder so i'll probably go about Five ten minutes before that becomes just you know when it's not very um, it's too cold to drink it's just lost its um, kick. Anyway, right. So um, last one would be um, we're talking about barbell movements. So um, I, I get questions from um, from people who are getting into weight training and uh, you know they they talking about should I be doing the basics uh, you know and talking about uh, you know squats, deadlifts, bench press, and so forth and whether it's something you should do. Um, so I just wanted to do a little quick bit on that and um, get my two cents on um, whether I think it's worth doing for people and um, and how you how you could integrate into your program. So I'm going to first annoy every single body by li- uh, listening by saying it depends, which is a really crap answer, but obviously is a very important answer. 
Um, but it's looking at the pros and cons, which I'm going to go through um, obviously quite quick because I don't want to make this too in depth and in go, um, you know, because it is a very, very in depth topic, but it's more answering the question rather than digging deeper and going down the rabbit hole. But I'm going to go for one pro and one con and explain. I'll start with the con because um, I want to end with the pro. So the cons of barbell movements is obviously the you know you may have heard of things like a profile or, or a muscle profile or the the strength profile of an exercise a resistance profile and exercise and with barbell movements you're resisting gravity and gravity has um, when it's a barbell the direction is directly down to the floor which means that the the axis of rotation of a joint is always going in one direction so in other words when we're trying to challenge something uh, it's really about how well we can adapt our body around around a certain position of gravity which is the line of force which is directly down rather than adapt a machine a cable or a piece of equipment around us now what happens is is that when people go into the gym they don't have that prerequisite strength of movement quality and movement capability so practical example one i saw last week um 17 year old lad comes in um with hip pain very 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 restricted ankles because um you know from football and he's got very poor ankle mobility which comes from running comes from playing in half surfaces comes from all these different factors so if his ankles don't move freely and he has to he has to do a barbell squat and he sits down into it he's gonna have to accommodate through the lumbar spine at some point and the deeper he goes into the squat, the more he'll accommodate with the lumbar spine, which basically means the lower down he goes, it's a lumbar flexion extension movement rather than actually a glute or quad one. So he'll persist with that and then he'll get to a stage where his lower back starts to get pumped up and it hurts. And it, where the issue is that it's joint ranges of motion, it's breathing, it's, uh, it's uh, joint quality and co-contractions and so, and so forth. So his foundations weren't there, which you know takes me nicely to what we spoke about at the beginning of the podcast. So because the foundations were poor, or foundations weren't worked on at all the uh, the the barbell squat wasn't effective you know if if people are going into these movements and again they they're sitting at desks all day they have poor you know, the poor posture i'm not a massive fan of the word but you know the, the the posture isn't the best or the joints don't move freely they don't know how to breathe they don't know how to stabilize then these these aren't the best exercises at all but to be honest neither is weight training in general um, not saying that uh, you know you shouldn't weight train as it will help but again we just don't understand the foundations and the prerequisites that are important to do this properly the issue that barbell training has over stuff like leg press or machines is that you probably have a more inefficient challenge to the muscles or you're mainly going to be training the extensor muscles of the spine because as we get tipped forward due to the lack of free motion in the, in, in the joints that's where we're likely to be taken and this is where people will accommodate by widening the stance or they'll sit back into it and they'll lean back into it and widening the stance of the feet and and, uh, compressing the shoulders back into the body like a low bar squat isn't congruent with how the body is supposed to develop maximal force that is my opinion but again you know I I always use the um, example if you go into a wide sumo squat position and you have to keep yourself in that position um, so like a wide squat or a wide sumo squat um, and then you were on a starting line against me and I'm in a um, and we're we're both about to run a 50 meter sprint there's a, a ravenous tiger which hasn't eaten for a month behind us which one would you rather do would you rather sprint with your knees out in front of you or would you rather put your knees out to the side and uh, align yourself in the same position as you would doing a sumo squat or deadlift 
And I know that sounds ridiculous, but what we need to remember is a wide stance movement is an adaptation to give us the most amount of stability to lift a barbell when we don't have that internal stability ourselves because we're pushing joints into positions where they can no longer go, move any further. What we um, when we're bringing our feet in a closer stance and mimicking more sprinting and walking mechanics, that is the congruency of how we're supposed to move. People don't lift like that because it's more challenging and it requires the foundations. So in a nutshell, that's the issue with uh, my issue with barbell movements and not why they need to be omitted, but why they can be ineffective. Um, when it comes to the pros is that there are actually massive pros is that you're probably not going to find a better movement which is actually going to load the mid-range of the muscle so say you do have somebody who is genetically um, you know very very good they have good um, they have good range of motion of the shoulder they have strong ligaments they have the ability to access the end ranges of uh, shoulder movements and hip movements without much issues they may have open sockets to the acromion so the acromion might be open the hips might be more the acetabellum might be uh, rotated in a more of an advantageous way they have, might have more lumbar rigidity they might have different composition of ligaments and um, bone structure which uh, gives them a better um, that gives them more robustness in lifting weights all these factors come into play and these are the people who just look at a barbell and they grow and these are generally the people who will say you know barbell training is really effective because it is for them and um, again this is what we just need to understand so the pros of it is is that from a mid-range stimulus of just being able to push something off you is actually very effective and this is why uh, the, the people who do stuff in the gym so the guys who you know you say oh I saw a guy who was lifting you know 140 kilos with terrible technique but his chest was massive this is yes because a bench press is a very 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 effective exercise if you can push through that mid-range so if he's bouncing it off his chest and using momentum then he is actually going to be pushing his um, his chest or the the uh, relative uh, you know the joint ranges of motion through the midpoint where he's got a ton of stimulus because you know give or take it might be 70 kilos on each pec which is going to be very very effective it's a it's a very very effective stimulus that's translated to the muscle what the risk is is that the risk reward behind what that shoulder is going through in the lengthened or rapid phase and what the neck might be doing and what the uh, scapula might be doing in order to accommodate is is great is very very high so the the detrimental effects of that is that long term this is somebody who tears the shoulder who does this who does that because you know they're training the biceps short and they have no concept of what else to do and how to balance the rotator cuff but just to reiterate is that when people say they're not efficient i i disagree they're probably the most most efficient ways of um, of uh, loading the uh, the strongest position or the strongest point. What is, what isn't efficient is the person. So it's not the exercise; it's the person that's doing that. So if you just walk into the gym and your ankles uh, don't move and your ankle mobility and, and your uh, calves are you know quote unquote tight, if your lower back is tight and you sit at a desk for eight hours a day and you get under a barbell you're not going to it's not going to be very effective for you because your body doesn't know how to move you know would it lead to some change in muscle growth it probably would is that if you persisted and persisted with back squats or deadlifts you might see a change in your glutes you might see a change in your hamstrings or possibly your lats you more likely traps than anything that being said is that the risk reward behind the likelihood of you getting injured quite early is high so you've got to remember it's about matching it's about matching the exercise to the individual about what's most appropriate for them and not just thinking let's just do that because that seems like the right thing to do so I'm going to wrap it up there because that's um, pretty much bang on what I was uh, looking to uh, looking to do 
Um, things coming up. So APX, uh, the website will be live in the next couple of weeks. What day is it today? It's the 25th of November. Website's coming up. There's been a lot of work behind the scenes to get some really, really cool content for you. YouTube videos are getting updated on a weekly basis with about minimum five videos going up there for just mobility drills. Um, the latest vlog is out today, which is on deadlift training and grip training. So that's a really good one for what I spoke about today. Um, talking about deadlifts, efficiency and, and how um, how to set up for that. So the vlog is on uh, deadlifts, grip training, reverse banding and um, some other stuff. But yeah, so that's out today on YouTube. Other than that, if you enjoyed the episode, thank you so much for listening. If you uh, want to give it a share on social media, that's always appreciated. Um, and apart from that, if there's any topics or anything you want covered, always feel free to DM me on Instagram or email me, chris at apxed.com. Other than that, have a wonderful day and thank you so much for listening.